Good morning. Is that a reply? Shall we pray? The Father, as we, we come before you to, to break bread in your word, we ask that you illuminate your writings and you help us to speak your truths and that it may lodge in our hearts, Heavenly Father, as we go forth to live as testimonies, Heavenly Father, of your will and of your grace. For Christ, let me pray. Amen. In 2001, the Dave Matthews Band came out with an album called Every Day. And on that album, <clears throat> there was a particular song called The Space Between uh, that cataloged a love in process. See, the love was unmoored from the initial dating and, and you know, just rosy feelings of of excitement, and it, it was not clear what that love would be in the future. But as he spoke and as he gave words and meaning to that space between the title of the song, uh, it was filled with frustration, filled with anger, resentment, but yet still it was filled with, with love and, and hope and forgiveness and an idea that they would walk out of that space uh, together. The space between speaks of uh, that place that we know as liminality or that liminal stage where you are in transition, uh, where you're passing from one place uh, to the next, where something has happened to abruptly remove you from the so-called normal. And you don't know what the future is going to be like as yet. So you are in this holding place, the space between where there is confusion and uh, there is anger, there is all these anxieties that go on because you are not in your normal spot anymore and you don't know what the future holds as yet. What does that space look like, feel like? What do we go through in that space and how could we benefit from considering uh, the existence of that space. Uh, I remember growing up in a village. Uh, this village, as we see overlooking the Caribbean Sea, I remember on Fridays and Saturdays, they did fish fries, and you would smell the fish or the chicken, and you would, you would see people in all colors, and you would hear reggae music, and it, would, it was a lovely space, and as we rose, um, we raced our go-karts you know, through the streets, we could take turns with our eyes closed because we knew the countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, right, hard right, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, hard left. I left that space, that normal, predictable, no other friends, no other families, no other hideout spots, all the shortcuts, left that place to embark on... A frozen a tundra called Arkansas. <laughs> so, leaving the islands and facing Arkansas, I sat on a plane and I looked out and it just occurred to me that I was no longer 
in my safe haven. I was no longer in the normal. I was no longer in that place where I knew everything and I could navigate with my eyes closed. But yet still, I was not in that frozen tundra as yet. I had no knowledge or idea of what it is to live and to exist in Arkansas. I was in that liminal space full of anxiety, wanting to go back to what I knew, what was normal, what was predictable, what I felt comfortable with. And in that moment, it just occurred to me that I could not just leave the plane and go back. I could not just jump and rush the future of Arkansas. So I had to sit in that pocket and embrace the anxieties and feel the sweat running down my neck and my sweaty palms and to close my eyes and pray, asking God to help me settle down, help me be comfortable because there is no way, there is no way I could avoid that space. I have to go through it. The space between that liminal space is very real. And if you would sit down um, with Nelson Mandela before he died and talk to him about his liminal space of prison for 27 years, having been taken from freedom and not knowing what the future would be, you would ask him, how did he go through that 27 years um, praying and accepting the help of his advocates on the outside and, and listening to, to, to God and, and, and figuring out how to keep himself mentally, spiritually, emotionally uh, praying, being patient in that liminal space. But it is, it is, it is not just uh, in prison, it is not just on a plane, even ladies who've had kids, you understand this liminal space where there's no baby, and then there's a pregnancy test, and then you know a baby is coming. The baby is there, so you're not going back to not have the baby, and you're not in the future where the baby is there and grown up and taking care of itself. And so you are there, never been parents. You have to sell your apartment and get a house and, you know, prepare the baby's room and um, look uh, to YouTube videos to figure out how to burp the baby and don't drop the baby and, and figure out how to live with the baby. You don't get to rush through those nine months and you don't get to rush through their growing up until they're 18 to leave your house. That is a liminal space that you exist in. That everything that goes on with parenting that you like, that you don't like, that you welcome, that you don't welcome, you have to go through it. You cannot go back, and you certainly cannot rush the future. You have to learn how to be parents in that liminal space, preparing rooms and childproofing everything as you go forth. Then there's the aspect of middle school, where you're not in lower grades anymore, but you're not a high schooler as yet, and everything gets weird because... They cannot treat you as a kid anymore. Not really a high schooler, but you are in the middle passage. The middle school where, you know, your body's developing, your emotions and psychological things are happening, and you're trying to figure out who you are, where you're supposed to be. Where do I sit at lunch? Where's my tribe? Who, who's, who are my people? 
Middle schoolers have a tough time. They're in this liminal space where they're no longer kids anymore, but they're not really high schoolers, and the high schoolers don't want them around. So you have to sit in the pocket and figure out how to live. And then we get to just the whole church landscape. And you understand that pre-pandemic, everybody's meeting and there is these huge numbers gathered on a Sunday and people are worshiping and seemingly having a great time and the house is packed. And then some sort of a catastrophe, some sort of a thing happens where, you know, we are removed from our normal and thrust into a world of Zoom church and right now, coming back, mask and, and, and no mask. It is different. For many people, it's uncomfortable. It is unwelcoming. And it is frustrating. And the future is a question, mark because we are not there yet. And so we are in this liminal space where people are exhibiting their anxieties. They're exhibiting their anxieties... And the rhetoric is, I just wish I could go back to normal, to the way things were. Or the rhetoric is, can I, can I just go to the future and bypass this stage? And the understanding is, the liminal space is not built or given to destroy you. It is given to build you and to mature you. And wanting to bypass, to hold on to the past, or to go to a future that you've haphazardly constructed for yourself does not help you build a testimony. And so, the pandemic taught us that the relationships we thought we had, the progress we thought we had made, was not really progress. It forced us to look into what we are doing, not just as a church, but as a society. And so people can't go to work, and they're in this stage, and they figure out, man, we got a lot of problems. I haven't talked to you in like six months or a year. I've seen you every day, you know, you know spouses, you know, kids, but we have another conversation, and I've worshipped with you for 10 years, but I don't really know you. And so you understand that the pandemic did what it had to do, like it always does. And instead of looking and seeing, well, you know, what could we learn from this? How could we go back and build relationships in a way that honors God and honors the commandment to love God and love neighbor? People were asking, well, why can't we just go back to just doing what we always did? In his book, The Rise of Christianity, Rodney Spark, or Stark, uh, gives a quote from uh, Eusebius that Dionysius used. Eusebius was a Christian historian, and here's the quote uh, Rodney uses. Though this terrified the pagans, this is about uh, the plague of Cyprian, the pandemic that actually happened in Rome, AD 249 to 262, which means it was more than a year, about 12 years, and uh, we could go on and on about, about pandemics that happened in the past. Some of them lasted 15 years, 20 years, wiped out a quarter of people for a nation, half. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It says, to this, though this terrified the pagans, 
Christians greeted the epidemic as merely schooling and testing. Thus, at a time when all other faiths were called into question, Christianity offered explanation and comfort. Even more important, Christian doctrine provided a prescription for action that is the Christian way appeared to work. So while pagans were steeped in Hellenism and philosophy and asking, why is this happening? And how is the gods punishing us? Says Christians never asked those questions because they were too busy going to minister to folk. Because they had a testimony. They were not waiting to get back. They were living like they never left. So you have the understanding that the response to tragedy, the response to pain, is not hiding or just questioning. If you are a Christian, your worldview is much different in the sense that through the Holy Spirit, through God who created this world by speech, and through God who lives through us, we understand we could have rose to the occasion and led instead of asking the same questions that others were asking. And so at this point, I think you get the idea of the liminal stage or the liminal space. And so we want to get into our text this morning as we uh, seek to figure out what is the benefit of this place that we find ourselves in and how do we engage it. In Exodus 6, in verses 1 to 4, we have the liminal space of the wilderness where Israel are no longer slaves in Egypt But they are not in Canaan as yet, and so they are in this holding space. And within that space comes the words of Exodus. Verse 1 says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come, where? Out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hands in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted, yes, we ate. All the food we wanted. You have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Rather be a slave eating meat provided for me at the hands of those who abuse me than to have freedom in the liminal space with the God of the universe. Now take some time and think about that scripture and its implications, what they're saying. They're saying that they so desire comfort and what is easy to grasp and what they have known all their life, that they would go back to slavery to be fed by people who whip them instead of being in a space where they could grow with God who leads. And you know how he leads. You've seen the Red Sea part. You've seen those chariots go down when it came back together. 
and not more than two months. Thinking, well, I want to go back because actually, instead of depending on myself and what I could see, I have to depend on God who makes new every day his graces and his promises. And so in the New Testament, it says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And that's what God did. He says, I'm not going to give you too much. I'm not going to give you too little. Every single day, I'm going to provide for you so that you understand, so that you know that I am provider. And without faith, you are not going to survive in this liminal state. You're going to do what everybody else does. Freak out. Given to folly, criticize, and build things for yourself, and destruct things. But you're not going to be mature if you want to do it on your own. And I've heard this rhetoric before. It's a psychological thing. I've heard women say, you know what? I know he beats me, and I know he cheats on me, but you know, he provides. And if I leave, then where am I going to go? This is so much uncertainty. I have kids. So I don't want to broach the liminal space because there's too much uncertainty and I can't do it on my own. I'd just rather get licks and stay at the place where, you know, I know bread is coming. We can't make people live like that. Not in society, not in the church. This is the testimony built in the wilderness where God shows his power. So Matthew chapter 4, you have the Son of God in the wilderness. And the devil is saying, don't you want some bread Don't you want some fame? Don't you want some esteem? And with every single trial, he says, don't you remember what God's word says? In the wilderness, the Son of Man was even built up to go forth to that future where he died on the cross for us. Richard Osmer, in his book, An Intro to Practical Theology, just basically thinking about God and how it looks in real life, in relationships, and how we do life. He says, it is not uncommon for people to draw back from experience or this liminal stage. Oh, this is a liminal stage. Very uncertain. I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. I don't want to be there. He says, it's not uncommon for people to draw back from those experiences that call into question cherished notions of self, of church, or nation. And to settle for inauthentic forms of faith. Leaders thus face the task of providing the appropriate measures of support, encouragement, and confrontation. The goal is to facilitate a dialogue between people whose interpretation of life has unraveled the pandemic and the resources of the Christian community. So basically put, as leaders, as people of God, we don't wait to get our cues from folks in the liminal spot that are dazed, that have no God to follow, and they're only going on feelings. And so whatever you feel today, that's what you're going to do. People have broken relationships, severed ties, lost friends, lost families, all because they could not manage their anxieties in this stage. That was not normal. And as Christians, what is normal anyways? What is normal? We live in a place where when God acts, we miss what he's doing because we are so focused on the control that this this world offers. We control our environment. We we, we control our destiny. You know, we know what's in a bank account. 
We know where we're going tomorrow. We have a schedule. And if anything happens that does not fit the schedule or the protocol, we're like, this is weird. I don't want this. I don't want this. When the this, the experience, is actually what connects us back to God and builds us so we walk by faith and not by sight. And so there was a testimony in the wilderness. There was a testimony in the wilderness. Nancy Levine says, you need to honor the space between the, the no longer and the not yet. Honor that space because that's where God does his most amazing works. And if you would just sit like me on that plane and just let the sweat drop off and let, you know, the tingling knees come and welcome them and say, Lord, you brought me here and you have never failed me. I remember the Red Sea. I remember the guys, you know, just being swept away. And in this wilderness, I will not say I want to go back to meet in slavery. Because you brought me too far and been too good and shown me time and time again that you exist for me to go back to that. Honor that space. Embrace that space because that's where you grow up to the point that, hopefully not, another pandemic, I'm not even going to say that. But if anything comes again, you understand that we are not building from the top down. We've been building from the bottom up and so we can stand. So in that space, you're not in Egypt, you're not in Canaan. God says in Deuteronomy 29, your shoes are not going to wear off. There will be plenty of food. I'm going to give you water from a rock that has no business giving water. You will celebrate. You will have feast days. You will have births. You will have life. Egos will be destroyed and golden calves will be put to the fire in that space. There'll be revelations and sightings of God. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You will know that I am in this place, sir. In this place, care for your neighbors. In this place, seek justice, mercy, and love, and seek covenant. In this place, be built, be transformed. And so I'm looking at this picture of the trapeze folks, understanding that one is catching while one is letting go and stretching forth. And in that space of letting go and stretching forth, it takes a whole lot of faith. It takes a whole lot of trust in the one doing the catching. And I just don't see a lot of that happening in the religious landscape as you look out. If you look at Facebook and those social media aspects, people are saying the same thing that the worldly folks are saying. They're having the very same conversations, asking the very same questions, doing the very same things that the world is doing. And you wonder why when kids turn 18, they're like, um, I don't really want any part of that. And I don't blame them. Who would? Because the life that we live should be a life where we honor God and we love neighbor. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too well with politics. I'm not too well with a lot of social things. At the end of the day, 
The only person that's going to give me a crown is the Lord Almighty. And so my speech, my actions, my Facebook account, my Instagram account, my Twitter account, my life in traffic, my life at the office, my life in church should be real and bona fide. And so as I look around, I see people, and I'm asking myself, why do you come through those doors? You just come to just feel good for 45 minutes and go back? No, dude. People are going through liminal stages every single day. It might not be a birth. It might not be a death. It might not be a torn ACL. But people are going through it. Brain surgeries and, and, and cancer and, and, and kids with disabilities and other things. And they have to stay there and live there every single day. And as a church, we don't just say, hey, come in. You know, let's feel good for 45 minutes and then go back. No. We want to do life with each other. Get to know each other. Because everybody's broken. Everybody's in this liminal space. And as a church, we give not just tools, but we come alongside to help each other manage our anxieties. Because there's a lot. We manage our anxieties in a godly way so that when we get through this liminal space and enter into another one, we are built to last, not to complain. Because in the wilderness is where testimony is built. A few weeks ago, I came from Ocala at an event, um, and my wife and kids had went to Chris and Lawanda's house. Chris, who did the Lord's Supper talk, this morning, and when I came in to the garage, I saw a bunch of shoes there, you know, some real shoes, Micah shoes, and they were all dirty, like mud and everything, and I stopped, and I just smiled, I just smiled, because I know my kids were having a great time (laughs) at someone's house, running around, falling down, at someone's house that I trusted. You know, we had a mutual friend from Memphis, and coming down here, his cousin, we got to know each other, we went for dinner, and, you know, I didn't know him, I didn't know his wife, so it was like, oh, what to do, what to say, kind of awkward and stuff, but we sat in the pocket, we got to know these people, and my kids had dirty shoes, because they were enjoying themselves and embracing their youth on their property, running around. What's the point of this? Real life. Real life. If it's one thing the pandemic taught you is that the life that we thought we had in churches we did not have. And so if you look at churches' websites, there's like two um, stats posted, pre-COVID numbers and post-COVID numbers. Well, it's not really post-COVID. And most of those numbers, right, are either half or a little less. People gone. And if we were so strong, if we were so connected, you're telling me that um, a pandemic that never stopped Christians or disciples in the past Stopped us? Dude, let's take a recheck. Figure this out. This is not a, a, a castigating thing. This is a let's do better because we have the Spirit of God. Don't just settle for, well, you know, that's the best we can do. No. You have the Spirit of God. Why would you settle? Would you make your daughter settle? Would you make your son settle? No. No. And so whatever we represent, whatever we put out, the world thinks of Christianity. Whatever we represent, whatever we put out, the world thinks of Christianity. I don't just want to read the Bible and just go home 
I want to know why do I have to read this scripture with you? How does it connect to my life, to your life? How do we change? Can I see you afterwards? Can we have lunch? You know, can I know your, your life story? Can you know my life story? Can we have some community? What are you looking for? If you're online, what are you looking for? If you're here, what are you looking for? This is a hard world. And every single day, people are entering or leaving liminality. And what are we giving them as a testimony? Is it the same old thing? Or is it that we have met the living God? And despite the circumstances, we can still smile. We can still have grace for our neighbor. Because God gives us our identity. God gives us our sustenance. God gives us our daily bread. I don't want to be a slave to the past. I don't want to be a slave to the normal. Every Christian should be abnormal. Because we do stuff that people are like, you guys did what in a pandemic? Rodney Stark says, they gave people a new way to be human. To the point that even pagans are like, what are you guys doing? But I saw this in a secular world through the pandemic. While Christians were on Facebook and blogs making noise and trying to figure out, why is the pandemic happening? Dude, do you not read the Bible that we are called to, for suffering and sacrifice? Do you not read the Bible that the, this world is passing away? And while they're having this dragon back and forth, you have doctors who don't go to church playing guitar for people as they are suffering. You have nurses with the imprint of their mask on their faces. Don't go to church, but they are ministering with the presence of Christ. Liminal stage is real. And um, as we think of the thoughts that I've conjured up, my only, my only encouragement to you is embrace it. God does his best work in the wilderness. Embrace it because God does his best work in the wilderness. I don't know where you are. If you're like me, then you have issues. Everybody has issues. Um, but I know um, that God's spirit is great. And when a community of God decides to let him lead, we go with each other. No one goes alone. This space is open, available. If you have need for prayer or concerns, that you want a voice, we could pray for you and your family. Um, feel free to come to the front. And we have some elders who I guess will be down to help us take some requests. Um, but we can all stand right now and sing a song in this liminal space.